Welcome uh, to Nothing Never Happens. Uh, today we have Melissa Conman Taylor and Mariana Soto Manning with us. And um, I'm going to ask them to talk first about their co edited book, one that I have found uh, to be one of the most useful books in, in the field of theater of the oppressed, uh, theory and practices for my own classes. Uh, Teachers Act Up, Creating Multicultural Learning Communities Through Theater. Uh, so welcome to Nothing Never Happens. Thank you. Yes, how did you come to uh, collaborate on this book? Well, um, I'll begin, I guess, because um, we, I, I, I'll just say that uh, this is Misha speaking, or my nickname is Misha. My formal name mm -hmm. is Melissa. And I was a new professor, um, gosh, I don't even want to say the year, so long ago now. And Mariana was finishing her doctoral degree, or in the midst of it, and we were both working with Betsy Rhymes, who had um, written a, a successful grant to the Department of Education, it was called a Transition to Teaching Grant, noticing that the Georgia Latino population had grown exponentially from not almost nothing and uh, to thousands and thousands, it had a 300% growth rate in the 10 years prior to my arrival. Hmm. And almost no one in the College of Education who spoke Spanish or could um, uh, successfully train teachers to work with incoming uh, newcomer populations, many of whom were Spanish speakers. And so yes. this grant was to recruit bilingual teachers into the teaching profession and serve in Georgia schools. But mm -hmm. what we quickly realized was that it's not just, uh, you can't just recruit people and plop them into the schools without preparing them for some of the inevitable struggles in terms of culture and language and practice as advocates for bilingual youth and their families. So um, uh, I had come to, to my career in education by way of applied linguistics, but also with a background in activist theater and uh, poetry and the arts, uh -huh. and um, met Mariana, who uh, can tell you her own story uh, about her arrival, but together we decided, we turned to Augusto Boal's um, Pedagogy and Theater of the Oppressed as a way to train yeah. the new teachers and ourselves to um, be able to what Boal calls rehearse the revolution and serve Georgia schools and bilingual communities without um, uh, falling apart. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, so the rehearsal for the revolution. Mm -hmm. Yes, and um, so we came together in this um, project that was called Teachers for English Language Learners at the time and mm -hmm. um, brought our different expertises. I had been um, really researching um, Freudian culture circles and really thinking about dialogic and transformative processes and knew that teachers, having been a teacher in Georgia public schools myself, knew mm. that teachers were not being supported by the system. That once teachers entered the system, although teachers were deemed to be, Latino and bilingual teachers were deemed to be perhaps the solution to the growth and immigration, they were not, their development was not being supported. Yeah. And they were experiencing a lot of times quite oppressive conditions. 
So instead of preparing them to operate within a toxic environment, within an environment where they were being diminished, where their identities and the identities of Latinx children and families were being negated or silenced yeah. in the curriculum and teaching, we wanted to rehearse for change and really continue to work with them and develop them as they came to schools, as they encountered challenges that seemed at times to be isolated, um, but as we came together in Teatro, in Theater of the Oppressed uh, workshops, they quickly realized that they were very common and collective. There were collective stories of them being deemed to be incompetent because of their accents. There were collective stories of them being discounted or being the sole people responsible for communicating and educating Latinx immigrants or of them being framed as the exception as um, immigrant exceptionals, it was them, not you, kind of comments that came to bear. So um, instead of really endorsing rehearsals of teaching for the schools as they exist or they existed, we wanted to really engage them in enacting possible futures and really mm -hmm. think together about how is it that we move toward a future that doesn't yet exist for our children but really thinking about centering equity and justice. So for yes. me, as I started collaborating with Misha, um, I brought the background on um, Freire and Freirean culture circles. Mm -hmm. And um, I saw that as the performative turn of the culture circle. I know that Misha came yeah. to it differently, yeah. but I think that um, through dialogic and performative uh, practices, we were able to engage in critical approaches to teacher education that honored, that affirmed, that centered the identities, the practices, and really the very personhood, the humanity of teachers who were uh, being positioned in minoritized ways. Mm -hmm. Yes, well, could you... A lot of, uh, yes. What I, I was just going to say, a lot of times what we do in colleges of education throughout the country is that we prepare teachers initially. Um, but what we realized is once teachers were entering in schools, that preparation, that support, that development was not necessarily there. And there was a huge, um, a huge rate of teachers, especially teachers from minoritized backgrounds, leaving the profession. So yeah. we thought that um, instead of accepting the status quo, we would use within our own practice um, theater of the oppressed, theater games, forum theater as a way of changing um, what was happening um, in a way that was innovative. Yes, and so I want to pick up from there and ask you um, for the listeners to kind of take us through what a theater of the oppressed workshop uh, involves, you know, starting with, um, you know, like um, introductory work to build community, to go to bridge activities like image theater, and then um, finally to form theater. So there's so many different ways to conduct a, a theater of the oppressed workshop. And usually I, in the United States context, I've moved away from that scary word of oppression. Um, mm -hmm. It's a hard, it's a complicated word, and it's one that many of those who are born in the United States don't necessarily identify with or are um, actually have reservations about what that word means and what their 
relationship to that word is. So mm -hmm. there's, uh, we, we purposely titled the book Teachers Act Up and, uh, and, and talk about all the uh, teachers for agentive change or teachers, revolutionary teachers or teachers acting up. Um, and it begins fundamentally with understanding that we learn to behave and to speak and to act many times in, in routinized ways. And teachers, we're the best at learning and executing routines. And children love yeah. routines. But we also yeah. have to teach a kind of critical understanding that some routines can end up structuring uh, structuring status and power in extremely unequal and dangerous ways and to mm -hmm. be always mindful that when we're following a routine we have to question who's in it who's following it and being served by it and who is not yeah. and maybe sometimes mm -hmm. we can't always see that so the the workshops always begin with play because mm -hmm. too many of us learn too quickly to, at too early an age that we leave play behind and we enter the, the seated world of intellect or cognition or the computer, the laptop, and we forget the essential role that our physical bodies play, how we read each other by our bodies. We're oftentimes disembodied now. I mean, here we are in front of computers with a, through a phone, um, yeah. and it's a, it's, there's many opportunities, but we do all come together to play. So the workshops begin with simple games, anything from Mother May I and Simon Says to variations on follow the leader or mining, just to accustom ourselves to moving in different ways. This is um, more challenging than maybe some of us might imagine to begin to even or skip or wiggle or um, you know, shake hands in ways that are unique and different. And then it, we slowly, I like to have workshops that are at least uh, an hour and a half or two hours long. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not nearly enough time to graduate to some of the deeper issues that we yeah. can perform in using theater. Yeah, so, so what kind I, of, I don't want to, yeah. yeah, what kind I, of, I'm of afraid of taking up too many stretches of time. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I, I'm I'm interested in uh, what kind of reaction you get from teachers who are are so uh, beaten down by teaching to the test and the bureaucracy and um, you know the kind of disembodied learning and uh, that they've had to experience themselves and pass on to their students um, because of all the regulations in the school system. Um, when they come to this and it's you know this kind of silliness that. Boal says, if we're if we're all silly, then no one's silly, right? Um, right. You know, what what's the initial reaction, and how do you you know get people to begin to move and to take those risks and to I see the value? I think one of the key. You want, you want to go? Yeah. I think one I'll, of the I'll key things is really to be to be vulnerable. Um, with the participants. I think that being uncertain and really engaging the role of the joker fully by complicating instead of facilitating the situation is really, really important. 
So um, for me, in terms of the workshops and teachers, it's really important for them to understand that they have been socialized in cultural ways. Uh -huh. And many teachers, including teachers of color, including immigrants, multilingual teachers, are not necessarily recognizing that these cultural ways breathe high power structures and that they are uh -huh. invisibilized. So what it happens is in the yeah. beginning um, of um, the workshops, Rendering these socialized ways, these structures visible to teachers allows them to engage with their realities differently. Mm -hmm. So it's not that the yeah. test is measuring um, achievement, it's the test is sorting kids because that's the history of tests. So mm -hmm. I have found three specific exercises, or actually four, but three to be super helpful with teachers. One of them is Colombian uh -huh. hypnosis, where there is um, someone is leading and someone is following, and really considering issues of perspectives and points of view. How uh -huh. is it that we honor perspectives and understand the other's perspective, especially when we're not talking? And I'm asking them to lead each other in loving ways or in aggressive ways. And they find themselves yeah. um, really being slower and looking at each other's eyes when they're leading each other in loving ways, whereas they're hiding behind the leading hand and not making eye contact and not attending to the embodiment of the other person when mm. they're leading aggressively. So that really comes to a more fuller understanding of um, perspective and point of view. The other yeah. one that teachers really uh, engage in, and I've engaged many New York City teachers in, is really mm -hmm. the power shuffle. And I've, yeah. I modified a little bit, and I think that part of it is really thinking about, I take up Freddy's invitation not to import or export anything, but to adapt making uh -huh. sure that things are contextualized and situated. So in the power shuffle, we identify categories of privilege and disprivilege, ask uh -huh. people to cross the room as they self-identify, and then stop and talk about how do they feel about it, what does uh -huh. it mean in their lives and for their teaching, and what will they do about it, right? Yeah. So, and, there, and then I decenter myself as well, in which I participate, but I also say, because of my own privileges, I'm also not calling some categories of power that may be very visible to you. So uh -huh. then people step into that role of facilitator as well, or complicator, or joker, in terms of calling other categories that may not have been visible oh, or yeah. rendered visible by my facilitation. And then, yes. of course, the forum theater, uh, which is where we collect stories and then uh -huh. create a collective scenario, really, um, from the work that um, Misha and Jen Wooden, um, Janie Dice and I have done, and create trends slash scripts, where we bring together, really, what are important but collective stories that speak to multiple people in multiple realities, um, and talk about and act out, break into three scenes, what is the story and how do we change it in a way that's enacted, right? Because even within the book, uh, it's important to understand that sometimes I may have suggested things orally that sounded very doable and then mm -hmm. interactionally they were rendered rather inappropriate and inefficient. And then yeah. ask the person who is in that situation or those people who are experiencing, is this real and why? And it doesn't mm -hmm. always have to be real. We found in the book that sometimes 
the cathartic response of just the ridiculousness of the situation of what you kind of wish you could say, like just open your eyes and read, um, yeah. is not necessarily real, but it creates a little bit of um, a breakthrough and an emotional response that brings back to the humanity of the teachers. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so um, you are able to, in a in an hour and a half, two hour workshop to get to forum theater. I I don't I I discourage it. I've seen it uh, turn out quite badly. I think it's mm -hmm. um, there's a a real compulsion towards um, completing to finding an answer in forum theater when yeah. really what we're looking for is to complicate the questions and to have our eyes be wider in the lived mm -hmm. moment of really complicated um, yeah. power dynamics that where there's not a, always a very clear who's the, who is wrong or right, that it's much more nuanced. So what I, I prefer to use yeah. um, improv theater strategies. I'm turning to um, uh, uh, even stand-up comedy techniques, um, some uh, rainbow of desire and flash theater techniques to try and just cultivate new habits of mind and body that give teachers more choices for how to perform themselves, how to invite varied and, and nuanced performances among their students, and mm -hmm. how to model you know, being present in the moment of an interactional exchange to be able yeah. to almost see it like a chess game, that there are options and there are ways of saying, of practicing the mantra of improv, which is yes and, you know, mm -hmm. yes, this is the reality and what else <laughs> can we do about it? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, are, are there any... Found that uh -huh. I have found that in one to two hours, gains are doable, but that's it. Um, I feel that within a much more extended period of time and a commitment, forum theater is very possible and doable, but it does take um, a commitment of teachers. So I worked with a group of 14 New York City teachers, and we met twice a month on Fridays mm -hmm. from 4 to 7 p.m., and in wow. that setting, it was okay for us to... Um, leave some possibilities hanging from one week to the next um, and recall and continue the forum theater from one week to the next. But it does take some trust for them to really be vulnerable with the, um, with the work that forum theater requires. But I have for whole mm -hmm. schools done, um, for example, Power Shuffle and Colombian Hypnosis and other games with a debrief and really thinking about what are the implications of these new understandings for teaching yeah. and for planning yeah. and for yeah. curriculum. Yeah. Well, uh, are there any particular moments that, uh, you know, because in, in some of this, from my experience, there can be some real surprises that are um uh, in, in a good way, surprises, things that you didn't expect to happen or come out of it because things are being, uh, you know, raised that you didn't, that you didn't know were, were there. So I had uh, a really unique uh, experience that challenged my improvisational skills this last summer when I was uh, the, the spe invited speaker to the English Teachers Association of Israel. Mm -hmm. 
And mm -hmm. I was asked to give uh, a theater workshop as part of that work at the American uh, Embassy. And huh. teachers were invited. Uh, it was a special, special workshop for teachers in a newly created peace, K through 12 peace program where the mm. students were Israeli, uh, Palestinian, Arab Israeli, many different um, uh, diverse student populations. And they had a very strong emphasis on the English language as a connection between those diverse populations who speak different languages and, of course, mm -hmm. follow different religious paths and are in great uh, conflict. But it was mm -hmm. a, a peace and conflict resolution program. And as I was about to go on and give my workshop, the, mm -hmm. they had a pause. And they said, the um, minister of education and the English chief officer of, uh, they called her the chief inspector of English programming, was going mm -hmm. to let the teachers know that their funding had been cut and said <laughs> 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 they were closing their program. Wow. I, I cannot tell, and, and I had to follow that. So, and I had, you know, one of these classic, the teachers were in a full day workshop. This was, I was the afternoon workshop. I had maybe two hours with them. And I had planned uh, a creative session and had not planned on a group of really angry, um, wow. disappointed yeah. uh, teachers. And I said, okay, what we're going to do <laughs> is we're going to play a classic warm-up theater game called Do You Like Your Neighbor? <laughs> and usually I play it as a competitive game. Uh, mm -hmm. It's on my website. I have a bunch of, I, I keep continue to take videos of my game playing so that other teachers, if they want to see how to play it, they can see a video. And I'm working now on a book, uh, Drama mm -hmm. for Second Language Teaching and Learning, so that I can, with more video data. So hopefully this will keep happening. But this is a wonderful yeah. game that you can teach um, uh, repeated language in engaging ways. But it also is interesting when you're angry as a way of, so, okay. So we played mm -hmm. Do You Like Your Neighbor and another game called Haya which is a super fun uh, game that I talk about teaching rhythm and pacing and communication. Mm -hmm. But in this instance, I said, all right, let's play it in a couple of ways. You know, always when we play these games, we think, oh, it's just fun and games. But actually mm -hmm. the games can teach really complicated patterns yeah. of human behavior. I said, how do we play it if we're trying to get everybody else out? We played it mm -hmm. that way. How do we play it if we're mm -hmm. trying to keep everybody in or have every tag everybody has a chance to be tagged out do you see what i mean so there's yeah. um a slight shift in the rules and that first of all helps the teachers overcome some of their immediate reactions of of rage and anger and hurt and a fear mm -hmm. and start to laugh together and then we were yeah. able to yeah. have a conversation that was very wide and ambitious about what what possible responses could they could they give to this outcome of a pull of funding from an, a program that they treasured? You know, so so the games themselves were a trigger for having new um, a new emotional you know environment in which to have a very important conversation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I should say the the videos on your website are very useful. Um, okay. I have a I have a uh, 
CD or DVD of a workshop that Boal, uh, both Augusto and, and Julian did at a pedagogy and theater, the press conference some years ago. But it's, um, you know, it's an amateur video, but it's really good to see these games uh, in in one way enacted. Um, and, you know, if you're especially if you're new to it, as many of my students are. Um, well, so so me, the games uh, come a way to um, see a way out of no way sometimes, would you say, um, yeah. you know, to start to imagine a different future for, um, you know, in, in a in a bad situation? Um, I would say that, yes, I think that it, in a way it recognizes some of the power imbalances. It renders them visible, but in a mm -hmm. very non-threatening way. Right. Okay. So it is approaching yeah. very serious situations and dynamics which need to be approached. But a lot of times people have been socialized into not entering those spaces of disagreement, of not mm -hmm. entering those um, spaces that feel very uncomfortable. So it is an inviting way of playing with power and playing with privilege and playing with power dynamics in a collective way. Um, yeah. It's interesting that um, you brought up games, Misha, because I was um, thinking about the surprise that I was doing like a school-wide in New York um, power shuffle. It was part of a larger uh, year-long um, PD, and um, the principal, who is very anti-racist and very um, otherwise aware of things, arrived to the power shuffle, which was in the gym because it was all like all the teachers in the school were there, the assistant teachers, the paras, the um, cafeteria workers. So I'm in the middle of the power shuffle. Um, and I had, because of that, had modified the power shuffle so that instead of crossing the room and crossing back, they're taking steps um, regarding the category of privilege. And she arrives in the middle of the, um, of the power shuffle. And she's a white woman. And she inserts herself in the middle of the gym. So not only did she center herself, but there was a racial divide within and also occupational divide within the gym, which was completely undermined by her position. So I had to stop and I had to say, okay. So a lot of times when people are not aware of these dynamics, they just enter a space and they feel that their positioning is neutral, but no positioning is neutral. So let's all sit down where we are and let's talk about what's happening here. Um, mm -hmm. Because we couldn't continue. The people who had, who were all the way in the back, are looking at me with these very uh, angry, almost faces. Like, what? What do you mean? She's just gonna sit, sit there. And then the people <laughs> who are more privileged are trying to call her towards the more privileged end of things. So, uh -huh. um, so you have to improvise as well within those moments where there are surprises. Um, and I think that, like, aside from that surprise that I had to redirect, the other surprises, both in the work with Misha within the context of Tao as well as afterwards, have been how vulnerable people are willing to be once trust yeah. is developed. Really mm -hmm. thinking about, wow, you are trusting this group with this specific reality mm -hmm. and, or mm -hmm. this specific scenario. And it's really amazing. And we've known each other maybe for two hours or we've known each other for a week and really thinking about how the theater opens up these spaces of community and trust and solidarity. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. an important part of enabling that vulnerability, I think, is 
making sure whenever you're facilitating or difficultating a workshop, as uh, mm -hmm. Boal used to <laughs> phrase it, that you yeah. have really clear ground rules at the opening that allow yeah. the participants to, to make choices that are good for them, that um, respect their own comfort zones and their own extensions and limitations of their body and their heart, and that uh, watching is okay. You know, I never believe that everybody has to play, and sometimes it's much better for people to have um, actors and spectators in order to create that spectacting hybridity mm -hmm. where you can you can do and you can also be observed and observing and and be participating. So I, I think it's yeah. really important to um, to have uh, reminders all the time to play within your own body and to make it safe. And that opens up spaces of vulnerability in ways that, you know, just diving in and expecting everyone to participate may not. Do, do.